Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield, hanging out with you guys here on a Thursday. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for everybody coming up here. We have got recently retired Pro Bowl tight end Kyle Rudolph joining the show. Also happened to be my former roommate and teammate at Notre Dame. As well as the Hall of Famer Warren Moon going to stop by as well. As Dan, we're getting set for Thursday night football. We are back in the flow of things now. I feel like we had the Christmas Day kid in a candy store feel last week going into week one. And now, guys, we've had that realization that, oh, we get to do this again a lot more times before it's all said and done. And that's freaking awesome. It's so nice. Game night already again. I mean, it, it's awesome. Also, the reality of the NFL set in with the injury list <laughs> that we'll talk about as well. I mean, it, it, again, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when you get hurt and how bad you get hurt uh, as injuries will affect the games again. But you're right. We're now in the flow until, what, February 11th, I think, is the Super Bowl. And we all enjoy it until February 12th when we all have a day of mourning that we have to wait months and months for football to start up again. But we are right in the beginning and, and prime time to enjoy. 
Yeah, primetime indeed. And we'll get into plenty of what's coming up in the game tonight with the Eagles and the Vikings. A lot of really exciting angles on that one. We'll also talk a little bit more on the injury front. You mentioned we have finally heard from Aaron Rodgers, the Jets star quarterback, who unfortunately suffered that Achilles rupture on Monday night football. But, Dad, I feel like we've spent so much time talking understandably about that team in New York, right? We had the Jets and what they were able to do, still coming back and winning that game in a division game to start the season. We had what happened with the New York Giants on Sunday night football as this big draw because it was a big, loud, ass-kicking score, and we all wondered what the hell was wrong there. I don't know if we've spent enough time, at least us, I've seen it discussed some elsewhere on the third team in New York, as Jet fans of this team would point out, the only team that's technically in New York, in the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen and what happened Monday night to that team, Dad. As we know, Josh Allen turned the ball over four, uh, four times during that game, has led the league in turnovers since he got into the league. All these stats that are now pretty commonplace heading into week two. I guess the question is, are you actually concerned? Have we reached a point now where Josh Allen, who finished third in the AP player of the year or AP uh, MVP voting last year and has been perennially one of the best quarterbacks statistically in the last few years, as well as anecdotally, are, are we actually worried just because of what we saw in this primetime game? Well, I mean, uh, until he gets them over the top, you're going to be, you're going to say they're one of the better teams, but we know what the goal is. The goal is the Super Bowl. Hell, I was in the era where uh, Jim Kelly quarterback in a team that went to four straight Super Bowls and lost, by the way, something I would take any day of the week to go to the Super Bowl, even if I lose. Um, they're right there. You, you wonder when are they going to start running out of time? 2019, you're a wild card at 10 and 6. You lose at Houston in the wild card. 2020 to 22, you win the division 13 and 3, 11 and 6, 13 and 3. But you lose to KC in the AFC Championship. You lose to KC in the divisional round. You lose to Cincinnati in the divisional round. So his style and this team gets you so far. And back back in the day, it got Marty Schottenheimer fired from the Cleveland Browns for making the AFC Championship a couple of times and going through the fumble and the drive with, you know, the Broncos. And you eventually, you know, uh, look at Andy Reid, five uh, NFC Championship games, one Super Bowl appearance at a loss, and, you know, you get ousted from Philly. So it, it only lasts for so long of how long that window is open. Between, again, 19 and 22 years, he was really playing full. 128 touchdowns, 48 interceptions. But he makes bad decisions. He admits he makes bad decisions. He said it's kind of like a double-edged sword. I have to learn, though, when to take the risk. And, you know, when he said that, who I immediately thought of, and I hope both of you have seen this movie, Ben Stiller and Along Came Polly. I mean, he was a risk assessment manager. That's what Ben Stiller did. Now, Josh Allen has to do that in a matter of two seconds, right? He has got to be Ben Stiller in a quick quick form on the field to make better decisions. When to throw the ball. Because the turnovers come at not only does he turn the ball over a lot, they come at horrific times as well. So I just read to you where he finishes and where the team finishes. So he's good enough to get you there. But eventually, if you have those turnovers at the wrong time in the playoffs, you're gone. And he has, unfortunately, kind of the, the, the ability or has been doing that. And that costs his team. So I don't know how long their window stays open. But I'll say this. It's tough for me to tell him to change. They tried that 
a bit in his second year. They said, listen, you got to run a little less. He can't. He's got to be him. He's got to run. Lamar Jackson's got to run. Jalen Hurts has to run. If these guys are going to win, they can't change who they are. But what he can change, and he even admits it, is some of those decisions. Yeah, I, I think the running thing is less, hey, we don't want you to run all the time and more. We want you to be a lot smarter about when you do it. There's just times on Monday night even, he's taking unnecessary hits at the end of run. He's not sliding at easy spots or be advantageous for him there or hurtling in weird spots. Like We know he's going to run, and especially as a scrambler, that's a huge asset. But he's just, for a player who's now been in the league as long as he is, he still really doesn't seem to take shots off himself. And also, I think a lot of it's the decision-making downfield, too. It's that belief that you can put the ball anywhere, right. anytime, any place. I'm trying to get myself back in football because all I want to talk about is Philip Seymour Hoffman's rolling along Kane Polly, yeah. which is one of my favorite ever. It's awesome. Awesome. This crocodile wrestling volcano <laughs> losing son of a is going to die or not. And the answer <laughs> is no. That really, that that's more, he is much more like the boss that they are trying to ensure that Philip Seymour Hoffman has to give the presentation on than he is Ben Stiller, who very clearly is risk-averse in that movie. But, Dad, to your point of them trying to coach him back, I, I think and we shouldn't present it like a binary, right, where obviously Josh Allen, part of what's made him great in the recent number of years is by being willing to put the ball in difficult yeah. places yeah. – he creates a lot of plays for you. Again, I said he finished third in MVP voting last year, third in passing success rate via pro football reference, second in QBR, 10th in sack percentage. Like He does a lot of good stuff for you in the course of this offense that the thought is sometimes, well, do you just have to take the bad right. with the good yeah. because the good's been so overwhelmingly there for this Bills team. But I think the problem becomes, Dad, relative to who he's compared to. If it was just... Josh Allen versus the other you know, passing eligible quarterbacks in this league, you're going to take him every time. Like he's still, I, I'd imagine for most people, a top five quarterback in the NFL based on what he can add to you. But the problem is he's not compared to the rest of the quarterbacks in the NFL. He's compared to Patrick Mahomes. He's compared to Joe Burrow. He's compared to Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson and the rest of the quarterbacks at the top of the league. And when that's the group that you're in and when now, like you said, the expectation's been, hey, we're a perennial playoff team. We're supposed to be a contender and we got to get over the hump. It is going to be in critical moments. Can he corral enough of himself at this point to give them an opportunity to win the game when it doesn't have to be a shootout, when it doesn't have to be a back and forth bomb fest? Yeah, listen, and, and I as we talked about this last week, I think. The other teams in the so now we talk about timing, their window of opportunity. And while Kansas City is still up there, and I think Cincinnati is, even though they're coming off week one losses, I think the maybe the rest of that AFC is catching the Bills, unless people think Cincinnati is going to falter. I still think Cincinnati is going to be fine. They've had the bugaboo against uh, the Browns, as I mentioned, Burroughs one of five against them. I, I still put KC and Cincinnati there. And then it was always Buffalo in that top three. But I do believe overall anyway, other teams are catching Buffalo. Now, maybe not the Jets after losing Aaron Rodgers, but certainly that defense in New England we've been talking about. Miami, I think, could be past uh, Buffalo. Time will tell on that one. 
but other teams in the AFC as well. We know the Chargers can score a lot of points as well. So I, I not only look at Josh Allen, but I look at this team, and as far as their window of opportunity in a very deep AFC, that they're they're getting going to get caught from behind sooner than Kansas City and Cincinnati are going to get caught from behind. Well, I think with Kansas City and Cincinnati, a lot of that's because they've already had to shift once, right? We've seen the exodus of players out of there. We've seen free agents leave to sign big contracts elsewhere. Outside of, uh, you know, I think it was uh, Tremaine Edmonds who signed with the Steelers this off or the Bears this offseason for a big money deal. The rest of that group has started to age. We've talked about Micah Hyde, the secondary guys that were banged up a bunch last year. You've had your homegrown young guys on the D-line, but then you brought in Von Miller, who's on the older side of things. Tredavious White, all these names that have been around for a while, they haven't had to make that shift, Dad, and that's going to be more on Brandon Bean in the front office for how they weather that because we know once you sign the star quarterback, you have to start going to work in the draft. You have to find ways to work in the margins, but I think we're more curious about them because they're still in, in a lot of people's senses on the first real iteration of this team, right? The Stephon Diggs era where, oh, by the way, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs become just the second Bills wide receiver duo, uh, quarterback and receiver duo to reach 30 regular season touchdowns, joining Jim Kelly and Andre Reid. So they've been able to do a lot together, but we haven't been able to see them weather the storm there. And so I think that's why we probably think about them a little differently than the Chiefs and the Bengals. Yeah, it's about when do you have to, there's, there's, having to make changes around your team, but when do you have to start to make changes at the core? We, and we know the core from Mahomes and Kelsey. Tyreek Hill was there, but he's gone, and, and they've, they've managed around that, and they have to do that. You know, when Kelsey got hurt, they have a ton of receivers. Juju Smith-Schuster's gone as well. So, again, they're kind of reshaping. For Cincinnati, they've got studs there, and they've had studs there. You know, with Higgins and Chase and Burrow, I mean, you're set there. It's just that old line has been a, a real issue for you getting Burrow killed uh, back there and then tinkering with your defense. But yeah, how long can you hang on to your core guys? And when the ancillary guys change, which happens every year for every team, what kind of changes do you make? Do you bring in guys that still have a few years left? Do you bring in the, you know, the gunslingers, the Von Millers of the world to come in for a year or two and try and give you that boost? All depends on how you want to build because that then is going to tell you how you're going to build after that. Yeah, and I think for teams that have a Josh Allen at quarterback, you get to build with perennial contention in mind. That's sort of how you've got to operate with these dudes because of the luxury you have at that position. The other part of this, not just change around the team, and listen, there are things as a team Buffalo has to address around Josh Allen. This is the most dependent position in football. The offensive line gave up way too many pressures, although accounting for opponent you can say, well, there's not many teams that are going to match what the New York bleeping Jets are doing on defense. And so that's certainly one you can look at. But in that division, you know, Miami's got pass rushers. New England, we saw, certainly had dudes that popped up. Keon White in week one. Good God, what a pick that looks like for the New England Patriots. And so that's going to be an issue. It's always been the conversation around Gabe Davis as the second wide receiver in that room. Is he as good as we saw in one playoff run? And then there's the more existential question. And and Jesse, I I think this is an interesting point that I saw made yesterday. Brooke Pryor is a great writer over at ESPN. Did a piece talking about the trend that we're seeing league wide right now surrounding the deep pass and its role in the NFL at the moment. Yeah, we took a look at this article yesterday, and it was basically saying, is the deep ball dead here? So there were 3,416 attempts 
of at least 15 yards downfield during the 2022 regular season. The fewest in any season since 2006. So the question is, is this evolution of the game? Is this because of the way defenses are playing? And then you look at these numbers and you're like, are Josh Allen and the Bills the ones trying to keep the deep ball alive here? Yeah, Dad, this is this is, I think the more overarching thing. We talked about how much the running game made a reappearance last year in the NFL, the RPO game that's been so sexy, especially with young quarterbacks in the league. And that God, I mean, till it's blue in the face, everyone talking about shell coverage. It's two deep safeties, but everyone throwing them back there and trying to make sure that you can't go out there and Tyree kill people to death anymore. Dad, you wonder if this is the other next step for Josh Allen is he's got to get more comfortable doing the more mundane parts of the job. Well, didn't we didn't we go through this with Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. When all of a sudden they started playing back on him, but he still was trying to force the deep balls and wasn't looking good early. And he even he even said his quote was, "We faced so many deep coverages where teams were taking all our deep throws. I had to learn when to just take what's underneath." And it took him a little bit to learn that, especially when you have success with the deep ball, that all of a sudden you have to back off and you almost feel like you're failing if you say, "Damn it, I got to go underneath here." When in essence, that's the way it's got to go now. This is all this is all cyclical things in the NFL. I was playing at a time, and it all depends on when. Fritz Shermer, one of the God rest his soul, one of the great defensive coordinators of all time, when he was coaching in the NFC, he saw other NFC teams getting bigger wide receivers, i.e., the Randy Mosses of the world, like in in Minnesota, and said, "Okay, I'm going to get. We're going to look through our 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 you know." personnel players and the decisions and get bigger cornerbacks, get guys who can rough it up. Now this is back when they let you get away with a little more and work, you know, if you were touching a guy at six yards, they throw a flag. So you, you did what you had to do to battle against that. We see it now with more spread offenses, right? So the, the, that's one of the reasons the running back position has been undervalued. Now you have lighter DNs, you have a lighter defense, you have lighter linebackers, so they can be in coverage a little more. That's how the NFL, that's really how any sport works. You adapt. I mean, you see it all the way down into little league, into high school, spread formations in the offense. That dictates now what you do on defense. So, and then when you react on defense, now how do you react on offense? That's why when we say it's a chess game, we're serious. It's a chess game. What's the other side? This is what we want to do. The other side is doing this. We can't do one of the things we want to do. So what do you do instead? You look at Tyreek Hill. We talk about him as one of the best deep ball guys in the league, which he is. He's the best deep ball receiver in the league. But also when you see his yards per catch being at 14 or 15, sometimes that's a slant. Sometimes that's an in with a good throw, and he's yards after the catch. Look at San Francisco for the last couple of years. They have led, Christian McCaffrey has led, and the team has led in yards after the catch. Kyle Shanahan's offense. Get the damn ball out into one of our stars and let them make the yards because that's what the defense has given us right now. So it's the old adapt or die, right? They're trying to take this away. Don't keep trying to force it. Pick your shots and take what the defense is giving you. And then when they start playing up, you go over the top. I mean, this has been going on forever in the NFL, just in different aspects of it.
Yeah, I do think it's funny. You go all the way back to the big corner idea, and we've watched that go through multiple cycles, right? We remember yeah, the early, yeah. you know, the mid the mid aught Seahawks, where, and we talked about this yes. talk at the live show in Kansas City, where you saw the Legion of Boom guys get huge on the perimeter to try and mm-hmm. rough up receivers. You're seeing now, especially in this most recent draft class, a ton of slot type bodies coming into the offense and wide receivers to get smaller to counteract that stuff, like. All of this is going to keep moving. Change is the only constant here. Mike, there was a talk about safeties, how that position is so important now because that person's like a safety, like a linebacker, and comes up and plays on the line as well. Well, there were times the safety was more a covered safety. There was a player when I was playing, he played in Cincinnati, David Fulcher, was like a 245-pound safety like Hell a yeah. safety. I He's mean, remember safety. Brian Remember Brian Erlacher was a safety at New Mexico State and then came in and played linebacker. You had Ray Lewis. You had monster linebackers. You had bigger safeties. And then it goes through a change. But you're right. Then it can cycle back. So that's where we are at the deep ball right now. And will it cycle back at some point? We'll see. But right now, it's, hey, take the stuff underneath and pick your shots over the top. And we saw a couple of Josh Allen's interceptions were attempts to go deep in places that maybe were not advisable at that moment in time. And like you said, you're fighting human nature in a lot of this. You talk to anybody around these quarterbacks, former quarterbacks, they're like, yeah, you're a competitor. You want to throw the ball deep. It's cool. It's fun. Everybody ooze and ahs. And and one of the things also you see nowadays a lot is here in college too, but in the NFL, it's crossing routes underneath, right? So you're trying to do the natural and I do air quotes, picks on defenders to get a guy freed up. The key now in the NFL, get a guy to catch the ball in space 10 yards or closer to the line of scrimmage and let him do his thing. Yeah, you've got to be willing to be patient and be risk-averse at times. And for a group of guys who came into the NFL with their biggest strength being, hey, you can cut it loose better, faster, and longer than anybody else, that's a big-time change being made. Big time change also is the amount of athlete podcast voice that we have out there. We heard from one of the biggest ones yesterday, and we'll get to that next here on Gojo and Golan. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. I'm Jesse Cofield, and the boys are beefing. Okay, so let me make sure I get all of this straight. So Cowboys coming up with a huge win over the Giants, and... Former giant Kadarius Tony not letting his own poor performance stop him from ripping his former team. He went on Instagram, you know, and he was 
getting a little a little saucy on there, and he was not the only one who had something to say about how this game went down. When the Bengals pulled Joe Burrow in the fourth quarter, is that benching? No, it is not benching, okay? You got your franchise quarterback who just got paid, who came off a calf injury in camp, so barely really got to work with his guys. The chemistry and timing could be off. So, guys, be realistic. Is, is Joe Burrow bad? No, he just had a bad day off night. He wasn't able to build that relationship back with his guys. And, uh, you know, it, it tended to cost him. And it's not benching. It's called protecting your guy. You know, something I thought the Giants should have done. I don't think Daniel Jones should have been in that game in the fourth quarter. I thought they should have protected him and pulled him out. And barring injury, their season would be over without Daniel Jones. The Bengals did the smart decision by pulling Joe Burrow, saying, hey, we, we, we're going to submit, we're going to take our loss, and we're going to move on the next week and get better. That's the best thing you can do. I do not agree with Daniel Jones staying out there into that last drive. That was I thought that was wrong. I thought it was deceiving. That's your franchise quarterback, and he's out there with the backup offensive line still getting sacked and hit. I, I just didn't understand. Maybe it was a you know, prove-it moment by the Giants. I have no idea. A learning lesson. Who knows? But I thought Daniel Jones should have got pulled out. So it technically is not benching. Yeah, okay. So with Parsons leading the charge, they did sack Daniel Jones seven times. So he's not wrong. But did he say that that was deceiving? Yeah, I think that might have just yeah. been one of those moments yeah. where you're in the middle of a monologue and you need yeah, a word. Exactly. And it sounds like the word, but it ain't the word. And listen, that's the gift and curse of doing a solo podcast which by the way the edge with micah parsons uh getting these takes off dad my favorite part about this though is that his take is you needed to save him from me <laughs> i was out there and you needed to get him away from me because me and all of my friends were doing bad things to him first i'm not gonna lie i love the current athlete having their own you know vessel to the to the to the outside to the fans to the outside world in these podcasts for two reasons. One, as I as I said, we talked about Mike when we got into this business and we go to call games. You know, my thought is always take people down onto the field or in the locker room or in the mind of an athlete where 99.9% of them have never been on a professional level and take them on the inside. Well, now you have athletes doing podcasts, current athletes who are doing that all the time, which is just awesome. And the second part of it is the possibility of beefs, which is always going to happen because I mean, one current athlete say one bad thing about another current athlete, and we got a great beef to talk about. So that's always fun as well. He he might as well, I called this game for Westwood one, and he might as well have been in the booth with me talking about this. And quite honestly, he could have been because they didn't need him on the field anymore. Yeah. I, I I was screaming about it. I wasn't actually screaming, but saying this almost the entire fourth quarter. Why are you keeping Daniel Jones in the game? And you know Brian Dayball was asked about it, and he said after the game, we just wanted to get something kind of positive going. Get something positive going. It's 33 nothing, 40 to nothing. It's rainy. It's wet. Your quarterback's getting hit every play. Who the hell cares about anything positive at the end of that game against backups for Dallas? I was stunned at this de at the de decision. And what it almost cost him. Sam Williams comes off the edge late in the game. I think that the last series that, that Daniel Jones was in there, He's clearly offside, but there was no whistle for unabated to the quarterback to stop the play. He saw Daniel Jones in half on that play and got the five-yarder, which who cares? 
but you that could have been the play where Daniel Jones got hurt. I, I I cannot believe they left him in that long, and I completely agree with Micah Parsons. It's a, I'm sure it's a, it's how good is it when you're on the other team and you're on the sidelines? And I'm sure Micah was even saying, "Why the hell is this guy still in the game? Your game's going pretty well." And you can say that about the other team's quarterback. Right, exactly. You're so secure in victory that you yeah. have time yeah. to empathize on an NFL football field. That's a different level of ass whooping yeah. right there. Yeah. But you're right, Dad, and we. I, I kind of liken it to in the preseason a lot of times we hear coaches come into a game and they want X amount of snaps for their starters in the game. And sometimes if you got a sloppy drive, maybe you turn it over or you don't execute quite well, they'll leave them out there another drive or two because they want to end on a make, for lack of a better term. That idea in general I don't have a problem with, but in a vacuum, right? Ignoring the circumstance here where you already had one of your starting tackles get hurt. Your backup swing tackle got hurt in that game. You're working behind backups like Micah mentioned. And also, it wasn't just a game where you were performing badly. Your quarterback was getting destroyed the entire time. With all of that as the backdrop, that is what makes this decision so befuddling. I get you're probably frustrated in that moment. We saw that manifest with Brian Dable. There was a fourth down and like three in their own territory when they're down about 30 in that game. Yeah. And he just you know, waves a hand out yeah. there like, we're going. You could tell he was ticked off and he's a fiery guy, but that can't then manifest in the way that you manage the most important asset in your team right now. I, I just I just was amazed at that um, and, and just holding my breath every time he got hit because – and I get what you're saying in that preseason game. You're supposed to say an X amount. You want to end on a high note. What was, what would you consider ending on a high note here? You're playing against backups. What do you, what do you hit a long pass and say, all right, then you go into film on Monday and you say, okay, look at this last play. Let's build off this. Are you kidding me? I mean, you just got your asses thoroughly whooped. If you would have scored and Oh, by the way, you didn't, it would have been against a lot of backups on Dallas. So, I was I was completely befuddled there. They certainly have, quote unquote, an easier opponent this week in Arizona. Even though Arizona put on a nice battle last week, so we'll see. Yeah, Jesse, let's look ahead to this weekend for both of these teams. Uh, is this prime bounce back territory or prime upset territory? Well, I mean, we're talking about going up against the team who's likely to have the number one pick in the draft. So you got to think that this is a bounce back spot. And they can finally get something going. Yeah, so the Cardinals uh, are hosting the Giants. The Giants are five-and-a-half-point road favorites in this game. And, Dad, as someone who had Washington in a survivor pool last week and got to sweat yeah. out that Cardinals experience here, them and the Bucks don't appear ready to go quietly into this good night. I think a lot of that could have to do with the fact that, hey, listen, what we talked about for Josh Dobbs coming over and now getting inserted into that lineup pretty quickly for the Arizona Cardinals, while he's been around the league, you really didn't have a ton to scout on him going into week one with that particular team, new coaching staff, all the different nuances that might lead to it being difficult to wrap your arms about what a team's going to do. So maybe you could say that's the case as well for the Giants walking into this week. But this feels like one where, yeah, the injuries up front in the offensive line are a bit concerning if Andrew Thomas can't go with that hamstring. But this should be prime bounce back territory for these Giants. You know, there's no way the Cardinals have the rushing, the pass rushing attack that the Cowboys have. But the Cardinals did have six sacks against Washington. So they were putting some pressure on the quarterback. Let's see about the health of that offensive line for the Giants. But they need to get the running game 
going as well. I, I, I do see a victory for them. There's no way, you know, maybe they weren't as good as we thought last year, but they're certainly not 40 to nothing um, to the Cowboys bad. They're somewhere in the middle, hopefully more toward the upper side uh, of that. But but we're going to find out. They're clearly one of those. This is week one. We saw with Kansas City why you had a couple of people out. Cincinnati has had a tough time with Cleveland. But the Giants, I mean, let's see. We have time now to let's see what you were closer to starting in Arizona this week. And on the other side, for the Cowboys and podcasting, Micah Parsons, they're hosting the Jets. They're nine-and-a-half-point favorites. And we're so concerned about the Jets' offense, what we saw last week, the safety of them going up against this Dallas defense that is a full-blown weapon. Dan, I'd like to just put both defenses out on the field at once and let them fight each other because the Dallas offense didn't look great and didn't really have to do much. We'll, I, I think, save the final score for them for when they're actually tested in a game where the defense and special teams aren't scoring left and white, right. But this can be a wild one to watch both these defenses cook. This is, I can't wait. I know people love offense. This is going to be a defense. What is the over-under on this? I'm taking the under. Yeah, no, hammer the under on that one and let it ride there. Coming up next, though, let's look ahead to the game coming up tonight next on Gojo and Golet. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. I'm Jesse Cofield, and it is Thursday. You know what that means. Prime. Thursday night football on Prime. It is on, baby. Vikings visiting the Eagles should be a good one. Vikings coming off that loss to the Bucks. A little bit surprising, but that's what week one is all about. Am I right, baby? Looking to bounce back. But they do have the defending NFC champs in their way tonight. So Eagles coming off a very close one to the Patriots. We thought they might be looking a little rusty, you know, after a relatively slow preseason. But they're looking to get in their groove, start clicking on all cylinders here. So let's break it down, fellas. Like, Eagles have the advantage in this one, right? Yeah, Eagles definitely have the advantage in this one. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. But, Dad, as with most Thursday night football games in week one or week two, coming off week one, is no exception, this can be all about who's available. And there are a lot of injuries that are going to make the matchups in this game even more important to pay attention to. On the um, Minnesota Vikings side, you're likely going to be down Garrett Brad, or you're going to be down Garrett Bradbury. You're starting center who's dealing with back injury coming off week one. 
in the middle of that offensive line. And then how about this for the Eagles? I saw this courtesy of Ben Solak over at the mm, Ringer. Yeah. Through the last through last season, through 20 total games, the most offensive and defensive starters that the Eagles had unavailable in a single game was three. This week with N'Kobe Dean out, James Bradbury out, Kenneth Gainwell out, and Reed Blankenship all unlikely to go on Thursday night football. They have already cleared that number in week two. And Dad, it's some important spots. We talked about this with Mina yesterday. The middle of the field for that Philly defense got tested. The linebacker level got thrown at a lot. And now you're going to be down one of your best guys at that spot in week two. Yeah, listen, we talked about N'Kobe Dean already. He's on the short-term IR, so that's four weeks he's gone. You mentioned the safety, so right up the gut again. You look at a defense up the gut where they're still pretty solid is on the defensive line. You saw what Jalen Carter did right out of the gate. Fletcher Cox going to play, but dealing with some ribs as well. But this is the one thing you can never predict. We can sit here and predict who's going to win what, scores, how someone might play. The one thing you can never predict is injury. And that's usually the, one of the bigger telltale signs of how your year is going to be. Now, if you're going to pick a, t a side uh, to get hurt, get hurt early, not late. You know, as long as you can get into the playoffs, if you heal up at the right time, that could serve you well because attrition by the time you get to the playoffs is huge. So you'll see DeAndre Swift, who was the last three years in Detroit, now in Philly. He'll get most of the snaps. Now, Serini, Nick Serini, the head coach, said, that he planned on getting him more work anyway. He's a guy that catches the ball out of the backfield, 46, 62, 48 in years one through three for him in Detroit, so he can do that. We'll see about him running the ball as well. Uh, right now, you know, keep that old line healthy. It's one of the best uh, and one of the best in all of football. But yeah, I mean, and then you get to a Thursday game. So sometimes you play on Sunday, get somebody nicked who would normally play the following Sunday, but if a game is on Thursday, they may have to miss that game. So, you know, that's that that's the structure of the of the schedule now. I know players don't like it uh, having to play these games on Thursday, but it is where we are. So uh, th this is something to keep an eye on is attrition for the Eagles because they have one of the with, if not the best, one of the best rosters in all of football. Does it concern you all day with this specific matchup? Because we mentioned second and third level injuries. James Bradbury opposite Darius, Darius Slay, which has been one of the best cornerback tandems against a team in Minnesota that last week threw the ball on 75% of snaps. Yeah. And we know added Jordan Addison uh, uh, opposite Justin Jefferson. They just paid TJ Hawkinson. This is one of those games where... Based on what we saw week one, obviously a super embarrassing loss for the Minnesota Vikings. A lot of people are going to internalize that. But matchup-wise, this could be sort of problematic for well, Philadelphia if Minnesota can get that passing offense going. Yeah, to your point about the middle of the field, Hunter Henry for the Patriots had five catches over the middle uh, against the Eagles last week. And now you have T.J. Hawkinson, a, a, certainly a more athletic uh, tight end. Justin Jefferson, it doesn't matter who you have on defense, you're going to worry about him. But, yeah, with T.J. Hawkinson coming over in that trade from Detroit last year was a great move, gets the big deal as well. He could really be damaging uh, to that Eagle defense in the middle of the field. That's the one. Justin Jefferson is Justin Jefferson. You have to account for him no matter what. But if you now have a weakness like you may have in the middle of the field, look for a guy like T.J. Hawkinson to take advantage of that. So I do worry about that. But Minnesota's defense is not very good. I think this offense for Philadelphia can get going a little bit. I, I, I certainly see a Philadelphia win in this game.
Yeah, and, and that Vikings defense made its debut. Brian Dable is the defensive coordinator now. Total shift from what they were doing in the prior years. A lot of that too high safety stuff now leaves in favor of getting, you know, guy like Harrison Smith down in the box a little bit more, being more aggressive up front the way they were in the first half. Dad, did you see all the headlines about Baker Mayfield supposedly getting all the signs that the Vikings were using by the second half of that game? One of his... um I forget which running back on his team went to the media and said that Baker Mayfield made the joke and said he's a Rangers fan, not an Astro fan. So he doesn't condone that kind of stuff, but didn't really uh, dispel the idea that, yeah, they were looking, trying to see the signals that the defense was sending in and felt like they got a beat on that towards the second half. I, I, anybody who has a problem with that, I got no idea what you're talking about. If, if a player can look at a sideline and see signals coming in and pick them up, there is zero wrong with that. If you steal somebody's playbook out of their locker for sure. the other team, you know, I could see that being an issue. My God, I mean, seriously? If, you're, if your signs are that easy to pick up, that's right. a you problem, not a Baker Mayfield problem. If someone can de de decipher what you're doing, then that's all on you. I, I don't even want to hear I, – I, you know, I, I mean – you only play them once, so it's not like you're going to, I guess, spout, you know, maybe you'd want to, if you're in the division, you may keep it to yourself so you can use it again in the next game. But, yeah, if you're going to talk about this and have the running back, I said, talk about this, man, That that's more to me on Minnesota saying, okay, what what did we do to give them the signals? What, what were they picking up and how do we need to change them? Because a lot of teams will change every other series by color, by, by number. You know this, Mike. You can explain it better than me on the old line of what you're doing with your signals and with your calls at the line. I would try and do that at the line of scrimmage, try and pick up verbiage that I heard in the first quarter. Do I hear it? You know, how many times do I hear it? And do this, are the same things happening out of it? Or is a team changing it every quarter, every third series at halftime? Uh, it all depends on that to try and pick up because what happens is, you think you have it, and then you you guess on it, or you don't right. guess. You think you know it, and then boom, you're, you you've screwed up the defense doing that. So you got to be sure. So yeah, if if that in fact is true, and they picked up their signals, that's a Minnesota problem. That's not anybody else's issue. I, I wish I could remember who it was. I heard a coach recently talking about the idea of having another team signals. He said, "I wouldn't want to know for that reason you mentioned because if you think you've got it now, all of a sudden you're yeah. banking on just that instead of." calling your defense, reading what you're supposed to, you can get right. yourself into trouble. It clearly worked out for Tampa Bay, and you're right, Dad. There are famous stories about Peyton Manning. You listen to any of his former wide receivers talk about playing for him, and there are notebooks full of code words that would change every single week. They would have to go back in and relearn and reassign the words that meant the actions each and every week because Peyton Manning was so hyper-aware, a guy who dealt so much in all the gesticulating at the line of scrimmage. He was so hyper-aware that the great players he was usually staring at across the line of scrimmage were going to be keyed in and trying to work in on this stuff. So Listen, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, and so much is called at the line anyway. I mean, my God, especially in college, you could pick it up. They'll go up and call signals and then turn and look to the sideline. It comes back oh, in yeah, and more I mean, stuff is called. The NFL stuff is called uh, on, on the field. It's just a matter – do you want to try and listen to that and pick something up? Or are you just saying, you know what, I'm going to base everything off the keys? Because when you get, we sit there and talk about, I've said this before, talk about analytics in football. There have been analytics forever in football. There's just more now. I got a game plan every Wednesday back in the 80s that told me 
you know, situations, down and distances, plays, formations, you know, all analytical stuff that you tried. And I really made sure I, I, I ate it all because I was not the athlete some of those other players were. So if it's third and, you know, seven plus and they're in this formation, you cull it down to they run two or three plays out of this. You kind of go by that. And you want to you want to trust that in say because there are times on the field when I thought I heard something, but you are kind of hesitant to guess, thinking, man, if I guess wrong, the hole I'm going to leave on defense is going to be huge. Uh, one of the uh, opposite of a holes on defense I am excited to watch coming up in this game tonight, Jalen Carter versus that injured interior O-line for the Vikings. Uh, going to be very interesting as Thursday night football is on prime. But coming up next, we've got an old quarterback trying a new trick to connect with his teammates. has been front and center in everything. Aaron Rodgers is the best player the Jets have ever had. I feel like he's been pretty positive. There's been a lot of good energy around the facility. Every day there's been something that's a little special sign or synchronicity or just a cool moment that reminds me I'm in the right place. It's not good. Those were the season highlights right there after the oh. season ending Achilles tear from Aaron Rodgers that dashed the hopes of Jet fans everywhere. Those poor Jets fans, they can't have nice things. Guys, <laughs> he finally posted um, on Instagram, so we got to hear from him himself. He posted this long post about how he's feeling and there were emojis being used in it and he ended it by saying the night is darkest before the dawn and I shall rise again. So wow. interesting. Uh, I love the and I shall rise again. Shall using the word shall. I don't know. I thought that was kind yeah, of Yeah, I would guess they do it like do people still use the word like, shall okay, Jesus. outside of an Instagram post now? Yeah, that's a very biblical word. Yeah. Well I, I, yeah I I, I think Aaron Rodgers, we, we've hear, heard him talk about things in the past. It doesn't shock me that the word shall came out of his mouth. Like I said, the You're guy did say right. synchronicity before, yeah. too. I was yeah. sitting around yeah. here like, can he do that? I, I mean, listen, the thing about Aaron Rodgers, and, and it'll be a quicker conversation because he's gone by the wayside. As I said, it's, it's going to be a forgotten thing, and they're going on with, with Zach Wilson. I firmly believe he's going to try and come back next year. I firmly believe. He is not going to want to end his career on an injury. The guy has not been hurt a ton uh, in his career. This is a bad injury. Make no mistake about it. But he's got, got a lot of time. You start got to start spinning it forward. Surgery soon. Start the rehab. Nine months to a year could have put him right back at more on the nine-month side, right back to, you know, uh, that, that training camp time. I fully expect him trying to play next year and not retire from, it, from this unless there's some monster setback from it. Yeah, no, and you heard, I think, Woody Johnson, the owner, mentioned he hadn't asked Aaron much about it because he's processing a lot right now. But we heard from damn near everybody that's got a connection to Aaron Rodgers, right? They went back and asked Matt LaFleur. They talked to Jordan Love, the guys that were with him last year. And that does seem to be the sentiment from everybody is based on the kind of worker that Aaron Rodgers is, based on his approach to all this, pride, all that stuff. It seems like he's going to be back and based on the Instagram post that Jesse read, yeah, you don't put the dark, the night is darkest before the dawn up there unless you're planning to come riding over that hill 
um, like Lord of the Rings and the Two Towers, the Battle of Helm's Deep. Which, by the way, I looked it up, and that's just kind of a motivational saying. The night isn't actually darkest before the dawn. Okay, yeah, I saw people questioning that, and it's right, because wouldn't it actually be, like, the lightest the night's going to be because the dawn is right there. Like, the sun is just below the horizon. It's darkest at, like, midnight. You go out there. I live near the ocean. You go stand out where the ocean meets the sky at, like, the dead of night. It's hard to tell the difference between the two, but right before the dawn, it's easy. The sun's creeping up back there getting ready to do its thing. Yeah, so that's just a, a saying that has continued through the years despite it not being true. Not going to lie. I don't know when it's darkest because I'm asleep. I mean, f uh, as am I. Fair enough. That's, I mean, which again, <laughs> it would be darkest while you're asleep. So yes. that's not right before think. the dawn. But yeah. uh, it we doesn't sound as cool. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It definitely sounds cool. And if there's one thing Aaron Rodgers is trying to master online. It's how to sound cool in front of all his young friends, yeah. which Jesse has been a problem that another quarterback has been trying to address and might be able to take a little more creative approach with going forward as we got some news about upcoming content. Yeah, so Netflix is reportedly going to have Matt Stafford be one of their quarterbacks for their series quarterbacks. So, you know, we've gotten some interesting press out of Matt Stafford apparently not being able to connect with his younger teammates, his wife talking about it on her podcast, and she's hysterical. So I think this is going to be awesome because we're going to get an insider look at what's going on in their household, and they've got a bunch of kids, and it seems great and chaotic, and we love that. Yeah, I feel like, she, I feel like Kelly Stafford probably put the bug in Matthew's ear that this could be really good for all of us. That's the only name that we've heard so far. We heard a lot more this offseason, Dad, about guys turning this down. By the way, Aaron Rodgers, you could do us all a big favor. I mean, he seemed to really enjoy being on Hard Knocks there, watching Aaron Rodgers' rehab process. At, listen, for better or for worse, and I think it's generally for worse, post The Last Dance, everybody thinks that everything that happens is worthy of some sort of long-form documentary. Aaron Rodgers' rehab process might actually be interesting enough to do that with if you want to find yet another angle to attack in the quarterback documentary. No, I want him to go beyond like ancient aliens. Those those aliens ah. that got presented to in Mexico. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he's injured now. He's got to start his rehab process. He should just go lead an expedition to find the aliens. Yeah. I would like that because I, I, we'll talk, I think we'll talk about love that one aliens. little later we, we, of, of them saying we aren't alone. No kidding. Anybody that thinks we're alone in this universe, is it's ridiculous. But we digress. Um, I, I, I think the biggest thing for people decided, because we always hear, oh, why don't they want to do that show? Or why did this guy turn it down? Or why does this team not want to do hard knocks? There's the thought process of not wanting having a camera around all the time, right? It all depends on who you are because that's what this quarterback series is. I mean, this isn't just professional. This is personal. This is getting into your home life. You have to let the cameras in. And, you know, his wife, Kelly, you know, she battled that brain tumor, had that surgery back in, what, 19, I think it was. I mean, Ted definitely had some some issues. They have, again, as we mentioned, four daughters. Um and, and because we get current players and or wise out talking, do you think Matthew Stafford was a little bit, hey, hon, maybe don't mention that I don't, you know, know the younger yeah. players on my team. You know, maybe because sometimes when you're talking publicly, you know, you're going to say things maybe you don't want uh, to be out there or the other person doesn't want to be out there. But that's the whole thing. What's your comfort level with cameras being around all the time? You see a lot of reality shows. You guys correct me if I'm wrong. People that do reality shows are those that are trying maybe to become stars, right? Try and hit that next level. 
I mean, Matthew Stafford's made a ton of money. Is you know been in the league a long time. He's been you know somewhat of a star quarterback in the league. It's not like he needs to do this, but it sounds like he wants to do it. So everybody has their different reasoning for wanting to do something because I'm sure it is very invasive. Well, you know, like you said, Matthew Stafford, very established and everything. But, you know, Kelly Stafford has her podcast. She has maybe some brand deals. I don't know. Maybe she's like, yeah, we need this show so we can uh, we can become the, the Kardashians here. We can elevate our brand. And, I mean, if you're Matthew Stafford, you're coming off a year you were banged up. You've always been a quarterback that I think people have had you know, conflicting feelings about all the talent, but what did it manifest in Detroit before he came over? People saw with like Kirk Cousins, who's one of the most made fun of quarterbacks in the NFL at times, what it did, the positive PR coming off that. Once you see all the work that goes into the position and all the stuff that we know would come with a guy like Matthew Stafford, but you're right, Dad, everyone's comfort level. I saw uh, Full Swing with Netflix is getting ready for season two, and I saw Zach Johnson and the guys from the Ryder Cup say that they were going to limit access to the team's room at the Ryder Cup because some guys raised concerns about having it in there. So as we've seen this inundate the sport, and Hard Knocks has done it for Forever, but as it's worked its way into other places, we're seeing guys figure out their level of comfortability with, hey, there are certain spots that are supposed to be sacred and safe spaces for me to kind of decompress with all this, and we got to find out where those borders are. I think also with editing, it changes the game a little bit because someone can get a bad edit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, that That's true. We, as veterans of watching reality TV, I can assure you the edit is crucial. Absolutely. So, so you could end up with a bad edit, and it's like, well, I didn't really say it in that context or, you know, what have you. So here's my thought on this, that, that Kelly and Matthew sat down. Matthew had a discussion, a long discussion on, I don't want to do it for this reason, this reason, this reason. He went on a five, ten-minute rant about why he doesn't want to do it. And Kelly said, I think it'll be good for us. And he said, okay, we're doing it. I mean, that's, that's kind of how it works, right? I mean, you know, that, that, that's really how the decision-making works in the household. I think we all understand that. Absolutely. I know I do. Yeah. You know what's good for you? Right? Well, it's yeah. the, the happy wife, happy life applies to everybody here, regardless yep. of race, class, gender, anything that goes into this. That's why you don't have a wife, gonna... right? Yes, exactly. I'm a single father of none, and so the only person I have to answer to is me. And I somehow still get vetoed in my own house, which is probably something I need to bring up with a therapist. Coming up next, though, I want to find out a little bit about young Mike Golick Sr. with our next guest.